I got an email from HR in Washington. It's too controversial. It's too difficult. We're letting you go. Giving the definition of the law, and this is what I was losing my job for, that was dark. It was saying, you can fire these people. You can discriminate against them. You can harass them with impunity. And then over the course of the next six months, um, my life kind of unraveled. And so there was this question of, does the belief that men are men and women are women and that matters, is that protected as a philosophical belief? Wow. Did you ever imagine you might be at the centre of uh, this kind of hoo-ha, particularly involving J.K. Rowling? Every time a large one came in, we'd go, oh, that was J.K. Rowling. Really? You know, I had this one day of despondency and then the next day she tweeted about my case and kind of sent it around the world and it all went haywire. Wow. Is J.K. Rowling a transphobe? Um... Welcome to another episode of Heretics. I've got Maya Forstatter on today. She's where it all began with the JK Rowling controversy. Uh, she stated that trans women were not women and became the centre of the Forstatter versus the Centre for Global Development Europe case where the judge said that her misgendering of a transgender person should not go with impunity and that it was not her views were not worthy of respect. Have used that um, biological women are women. Anyway, that's when J.K. Rowling first sort of came out and got involved in this whole thing and became known as a transphobe, a turf, and a bigot. It starts with Maya. So um, I hope this is an interesting one. I've been dealing with a cough and I've amazingly gotten through 47 seconds so far, so I don't want to push my luck, but please do share this podcast far and wide. We do talk at the end. You can get uh, Apple subscribers, Patreon, and Locals, andrewgold.locals.com. You can get the little extra bit where you guys get to ask the questions to Maya. Um, big episodes coming up, but enjoy this heretic. It's Maya Forstatter. What happened to you? Um, so in uh, 2018, I was working for a think tank in London, a non-partisan uh, international development think tank. And I got interested in sex and gender, that dangerous subject. Mm. Uh, and I started paying attention to it for about a year before I tweeted or said anything. I, I sort of really wanted to understand, like, what the hell is this? Um, am I a bigot? You know, is this as obvious as I think it is? Um, and then in late 2018, I started tweeting about it. Uh, I also, uh, it was when the government was consulting on um, bringing in self-ID, so changing the Gender Recognition Act to make it easier for people to change their legal sex. Uh, and they were asking for people to uh, respond to the consultation. So it was a public policy question. I worked at a think tank. It was a think tank where people could have all kinds of views and disagree on all sorts of things. Um, and so I talked about it at work in relation to the government consultation. Um, I shared a booklet about the consultation and uh, some people complained. Um, a bit of the story. So I was based in London, uh, but the headquarters of the organization I worked for was in Washington, DC. It was people in Washington who complained and then uh, it escalated from there. I lost my job uh, and I took my employer to employment tribunal in 2019 uh, on a belief discrimination case. And this was important because, uh, so in UK law, the Equality Act, you're protected against discrimination on the basis of age, sex, race, disability, and so on, and what they call religion or belief. 
And so if you have a religion, that's a sort of brand name thing. It's obvious what religion is, but mm. a belief, a philosophical belief, um, basically it has to be like a religion. So it has to be something that is kind of serious, uh, that affects your life, that affects how you live, that you're not going to give, give it up. Um, and then it has this criteria that it has to be um, worthy of respect in the democratic society. So basically, if your belief is in Nazism or fascism, that's not protected against discrimination. But if your belief is in um, Scottish nationalism or ethical veganism, for example, it is. And so there was this question of, does the belief that men are men and women are women and that matters and it's important, is that protected as a philosophical belief? I want to sort of leave that as a, let's, yes. let's see where that goes. I, it's one of those things that we read about in the news, what happened to you, and you go, oh, that's a person and that's a thing that happened. But we somehow we don't actually necessarily empathise with what was going on for you when your contract wasn't renewed. You weren't able to work because of your belief. When did you first like realize that was going to happen and how did you feel in that moment? Um so it was it was not long after I started tweeting about the about the topic I got an email from HR in Washington. Um and I was um I sort of I still thought it would be all right at that point because the culture of the organization was uh we argue about stuff and it's quite a small organization and people have different views and so i wrote back to the uh, you know like it really wasn't a big big organization so mm. you know even the hr guy i thought oh well he'll you know he'll be interested in the topic um and so i wrote back to him and i sent him a couple of things to read and i said you know you might not be aware this is an issue in the uk um that the government's consulting on i sent him something by kathleen stock um you know i, I just I still at that point thought, oh, well, this is normal. This is a normal issue that's controversial. We'll be able to talk about it. And then over the course of the next six months, um, my life kind of unraveled. Um, but it, it took six months, you know, of, of uh, investigations. Uh, they got in consultants to look at my tweets. Um, and all that time, most of the people within the organization I was talking to either agreed with me mm. or agreed that it was a, um, reasonable position to hold that you know there could be different views on this um, and so it wasn't until March uh, 2019 when they I, I had a conversation with with the big boss and he basically said um, it's too controversial it's too difficult we're letting you go wow. um, and, and I I recorded that call, which you're not supposed to do, but um, I did, oh. uh, and and obviously I used it in the in the tribunal because at that point I felt like, um, you know, I'd lost all trust with the organisation, and so I have that recording, and and I've only listened to it twice uh, because my lawyers made me listen to it, um, and it's quite upsetting. Um, I was saying in that call. All I'm saying is the definition of sex in the Equality Act, in law. It was this really Kafkaesque situation. I was saying the law in the UK protects people against discrimination on the base of sex, male and female, and on the base of gender reassignment, whether you, it being transsexual or trans. Um, so I was, you know, giving the definition of the law, and this is what I was losing my job for. Um, yeah, that was that was deeply um that was dark uh, and then um because i as you say I, it was my contract wasn't renewed i wasn't given a p45 because i didn't have that sort of um uh, straightforward a job uh and i had no idea that i had employment rights at that point so 
you know, what do you do? I tweeted about it. Uh, and there were some feminist lawyers who had sort of dreamed up a case like mine before I even existed. They were waiting for a, a belief discrimination case. Wow. Uh, and so they kind of arrived like the fairy godmothers <laughs> and, um, and said, you know, we think you've got rights. Wow. Did you ever imagine you might be at the centre of uh, this kind of hoo-ha, particularly involving J.K. Rowling? No, that I mean that came completely out of blue. That was, you know, that came after I lost in the first instance. Mm. So um, the first thing I had to do was put the claim in, uh, and then the next thing I had to do was crowdfund for the money to pay for pay for lawyers. Uh, and so most of that money came in in twenty pounds, uh, twenty, thirty, fifty pounds, uh, thousands of them. While I was sort of sitting on my sofa in my pajamas it was it was amazing um and then there were a few more larger ones and every time a large one came in we'd go oh that was jk rowling really yeah because you know she'd already tweeted something about it and then deleted it and called it a um uh senior moment um and so we had a kind of suspicion that that she was sympathetic so it was it was a joke but it was like oh that one must be from jk rowling how high were those oh like just like thousands i mean you know and i don't think they were but that i mean that was the that was kind of the joke it might have been yeah it might have been her it might have been her um but but never reached out to her or anything um and didn't expect it at all. So when when I lost, which was um, at the end of December in 2019, um, I, you know, I had this one day of despondency, and then the next day she tweeted about my case and kind of sent it around the world, and it all went haywire. Wow! Is it rolling then? Not rolling that? is rolling. Bloody hell! Rolling, <laughs> Bowie, all the, is, the the real debates here. Were you, were you a were you a Harry Potter fan? Um, not of, I'm not of the age to be a mad Harry Potter <laughs> fan, but my I read it to my kids, um, oh. and you know I've seen all the movies, and yeah, so I'm I'm a fan, a kind of ordinary fan, not a mad fan. Yeah, I was a huge fan, I, and I, I to ha- she, I would love to have her on the show one day, but she doesn't really do interviews, unfortunately. Is J.K. Rowling a transphobe? Um, depends <laughs> how you how you define it. Um, I I mean I I don't think so, um, but I think trying to say um you know some people are transphobes uh, and some aren't uh, you know on the spectrum of people who are gender critical people who say that men are men and women are women you can say it as politely as you like and as carefully as you like and you'll still be called a transphobe so um you, you know so i don't think it's helpful to try and say you know well jk rowling isn't and i'm not um but you know these people who are um less careful about what they say are i mean clearly if somebody's attacking people in the street or you know trying to uh, have trans people lose their livelihood that's transphobia but saying in clear language which is not what people want to hear that someone is a man you know that's what gets called transphobia yeah. uh, and you know jk rowling wrote this essay uh, several months after she she tweeted about my case and she set out in such careful um uh you know just kind uh thinking of everyone's rights and she was still called a transphobe mm. so
That's right. I feel like we could still say, okay, well, this person's a transphobe because, as you say, they're trying to prevent somebody who represents as trans from doing their work or they throw stuff at them on, in the street or they, they just say, I hate those people because of who they are or, or whatever. That, that, to me, seems like that's where a transphobe is. So the idea that you or JK Rowling might be just seems absurd. Right. But I mean, I've, I've read a definition of transphobia that says even having that conversation, the conversation that says, well, this is transphobia and this isn't, that in itself is transphobia. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well, then everyone is. Because I get, I, get, I get the impression, I th and you was, we were speaking just before, that, that most people are on board with gender critical views. Is that right? Do we know that statistically? Uh, so, so I've gone on and set up an organization, Sex Matters, and we've done polling. Uh, and it's quite difficult when you do polling to ask people the question, because if you say a trans woman, quite a lot of people think that's a woman who identifies as a man. Mm. A trans woman is a man who identifies as a woman. And then quite oh, a lot no. of people, even who understand that, think, oh, well, it's somebody who's had surgery or somebody who perhaps really is um, a woman trapped in a man's body or whatever that means. Um, so in their mind, trans woman means basically a woman who had the unfortunate um, accident of being born male. Uh, I mean, that sounds crazy, but, you know, Coronation Street had a trans woman character for a very long time. Uh, Hayley Cropper was played by a female actress. So, so people are thinking trans woman is Hayley Cropper. So when you ask the question in polling, you really have to ask it carefully to make sure that people understand what you're asking. But when you ask it carefully, saying a man who identifies as a woman who may or may not have had surgery, should they be allowed into women's changing rooms, showers, sports? Um, Less than 30% say yes. Right, right. Okay, interesting. It's almost like you have to educate people and prep them. And then it's sort of what was the point in the poll then? Because we've had to, we've sort of leaned them so far in one way. We've primed them to say what we want them to say. So you, it just makes it a nonsense to even do the polling. Well, I mean, to ask people a question, they have to understand the question. Yeah. But to explain the question, you have to say things that are defined as transphobic. <laughs> Oh. And so if the person's been in any way kind of trained or primed to think that's transphobic, then, um, you know, then then they give the answer that they think is the um, the respectable one. Uh, and so in the polling, what we find is the younger, pe younger people are more likely to say yes, that a trans woman should be accepted into those situations. People with more education, more likely to say yes. Um, Labour are more likely to say yes than Conservatives or Lib Dems. Yeah, I gather that Keir Starmer, the leader of Britain's Labour Party, said something like one in a thousand women have penises. Yeah, and legally he's correct. Um, wow. So if you have a gender recognition certificate, so if you've gone through the process of applying uh, to change the sex that's recorded uh, by the registrar, um, legally for some situations that turns a man into a woman and a woman into a man and no surgery is required so there is a legal answer that says oh, yeah. a very small proportion of women have penises i get the impression that keir starmer because he's quite centrist i think i i don't think he really believes that does he no i mean i think i think he's giving a lawyer's answer there um you know and then he thinks that we can work around that but the problem is, 
it's really difficult to work around because um, because people get called transphobes for saying that actually women as a group exist. Uh, and what they thought when they brought this law in, well, they thought two things at the same time. They thought that there are a very small proportion of people who actually change sex for all purposes and it would be... Um, completely unreasonable to treat them in any other way they thought it's you know it's like if i said i was born a man mm. in what way would would you want to treat me differently because i was born a man but in practice that's not what happens what happens is people get a certificate you know people can't actually change sex however much they'd like to uh their sex still remains important and so they have this certificate which says they're female when in fact they're male and what they thought was well in those situations the health service the prisons the schools the um sports will work around it and we'll put in uh, they put in exceptions in the law to allow them to work around it but the problem is if you're working in those sectors and you say look we need a policy that makes a difference says there's a difference between males and females you're called a transphobe mm. so you can't use the exceptions in the law what are some of the reasons that it would matter let's say if you had been born a man and <laughs> now you're presenting as a woman as far as i can see you're a woman why what are some of the reasons that it is important that i know you were actually are actually a well, man uh, but that situation doesn't really exist. I mean, okay. the, it, it's you were born a man and you decided to wear a dress and put makeup on and now you say you're a woman. In what situations should I go along with that? And in what situations should I be forced to hmm. pretend that you really are a woman? Um, and, um, you know, in most situations in life, we don't, differentiate legally between how you treat men and how you treat women you pay them the same you employ them to do the same jobs uh you you treat them equally even though everyone you know it is important who's a man and who's a woman and everyone can see uh but where you have rules that treat men and women differently they're around um sport fairness in sport uh dignity and safety in any situation where people are taking their clothes off basically uh, and data so you know in healthcare for example your doctor needs to know whether you're a man or a woman mm -hmm. and even though people know that when looking at you the data has to be right too because sometimes you know you have algorithms you have um, calculations you have policies you have risk assessments which go on what's on paper mm -hmm. so you, it it doesn't work to say of course everyone knows but on paper we're going to say that you're a woman because sometimes you're making decisions on paper and those will be the wrong decisions if you're trying to um interpret your heart monitor or something like that yeah a friend of mine was saying um because she read a very it was a famous feminist book in the last few years i don't know who it was by or what it was called but it was just all about how um everything's a lot of things in life seem to be made for men uh, like sizes and different things like that. And I suppose if you skew an entire statistic, like an ent entire country's statistics by saying, well, no, there are a lot of women who are actually six foot four. Um, and there are, you know, just, and that's a very basic example, but then that will just continue uh, to hurt women, I suppose. Fewer, fewer and fewer things will actually be built for women. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the places where that really, really matters um one of them is around uh crime you know 98 percent of uh sexual crimes are done by men most of them against women and children not all of them but most of them um and so if you skew those statistics by saying um you know 
there are uh, women with penises who are rapists. Uh, you know, the, there are just very, very few women who uh, undertake sexual crimes, and so you can skew those statistics really, really easily with just a few with just a few men. Mm. And that is happening, I think, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they, until very recently, they were putting um, men, including into women's prisons they're now saying so they've just changed the policy in england and wales to say um they won't put a man who's been convicted of a violent or sexual crime into a woman's prison without ministerial uh, it has to have ministerial agreement so that that's as far as they've gone uh, they'll still put a man who hasn't got a conviction for a sexual crime into a women's prison uh, and, and women in women's prisons are mainly there for non-violent offenses they tend to be um uh, vulnerable they've already been victimized they've often been victims of domestic abuse um sexual assault already they're traumatized vulnerable women and then they're using them to socialize men who want to be women and they can't get away hey it's andrew if you're enjoying heretics there's another podcast i want to recommend to you especially if climate change global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster what could go right is hosted by progress network founder zachary carabel and executive director emma varvalukas on What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. 
Yeah, a lot of people get offended, I think, a lot of men in particular when, with those statistics, and trans people do as well, and they say like, oh, so you're saying that we're all awful people who would commit these atrocities, but I, I guess something Helen Joyce was saying when she was on recently was just, well, we have laws for the extremes, that's why we have them. It's not because we don't have a law against murder because most humans are about to commit murder. It's a very, very small, tiny, mi minuscule number of people who commit murder, I imagine, uh, but we have to have the law for them. So I, you know, that, I don't want people, I guess, listening and viewing, going like, "Well, hang on, you're saying we'd all do that, would we?" I guess, I, I mean, most trans people would not probably take advantage of those things, right? Um, you know, we we have this line, you know, not all men. Um, you know, my husband's a lovely bloke, but he shouldn't mm. be allowed into women's changing rooms. It's it's in particular your yeah. no I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's interesting. It's so in one of the few places where you get to really have these arguments out is in court because people can't run away they can't get offended they can't cry and leave um and so uh when my case came to uh tribunal i had the you know the most fun of it was watching my lawyer cross-examine the other side and the other side who had said that um the leaflet that i'd brought in about the gender recognition act consultation was transphobic and so they went through it line by line to say you know is this transphobic or not and this leaflet said things like um we have women's prisons for the, for the reason that men and women are different and you know not all men and all of that and and the people who were being cross-examined were you know um economics phds they you know numerate people who shouldn't be jumping to Oh, are you saying that I'm a, um, yeah. you know, I'm a predator? And also, you know, progressive, feminist guys who, you know, ought to understand this stuff. And they were jumping to, but you're saying that all trans women are oh predators. My God. It was, and and you know, you have the time and the space in court for the lawyers to kind of walk them through the arguments. Um, and it it was it was just it was amazing to see it done because you, there's almost nowhere else where that has happened. And and. Part of the reason why there's such a uh, um, disproportionate response to anyone who speaks up, I think, is to stop that happening. You know, the reason that I spoke up about this is I'm not a gender wasn't my specialist issue. I was working on tax, but I worked for a think tank and I was thinking, you know, where are the academics? Where are the think tanks? Where are the people having careful, compassionate, evidence based discussions about a difficult topic? And the reason they don't is because the whole area has been landmined with offence. Um, and so, you, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why my case was so important was that it forced some of these people and, and they were unlucky, um, my, my employers, that it was them who was forced, who was forced to have this conversation, um, to go through these arguments and, and to, um, justify why they thought it was unreasonable to say that men mm. who identify as women are the same risk as men. We we don't know if they're greater risk or not, but we certainly, there's no reason to think they're less risk than other men. And therefore, the rules and the safeguards that you have to protect women, to protect fairness, shouldn't be disregarded because you have a class of men who say we're different. Uh, you know, and plus, we've been down that road before you know we used to think priests were different we used to think scout leaders were different we used to think um you know gymnastics coaches were different we you know we've learned through um you know hard learned lessons that you should never uh ring fence any group of people but particularly any group of men and say 
they're not a risk because even if that group in itself is not a risk once you've put those rules around them you then attract the people who want to find those loopholes i think it's a really interesting point that you just made about your uh, employers they were sort of unlucky to find themselves in that situation because i can imagine you know most people uh are not terrible people you know and they're just sort of going about their lives and you can imagine i can imagine being that boss and going uh, or the person in the position to to renew your contract and going oh god what do we do like i you know she's probably right but like it's going to offend all these people and we're going to get in trouble and then other people are going to lose what what do we do because of the situation we've gotten ourselves into as a country or as a as a civilization at the moment so i feel a bit sorry i mean do you, do you feel a bit sorry for them i i i do um and you know this all came out in the tribunal so you get one of the things you get is all the emails or oh. all the meeting notes you know all, all of the stuff that you didn't see at the time so you know as i said i had this six months of feeling like um my life was falling apart and then once you bring the case you get you know just um folders full of misfiled emails and once you get them into an, a date order you can see what was going on on the other side while that was happening and you know it started out with the first meeting that they had after I, I after I'd tweeted and after HR had um or no before HR contacted me they had a sort of regular management meeting and it was brought up and they said well it looks like what she's saying is controversial um it's it's a difficult to topic but it doesn't look that it doesn't look unreasonable that's what they said at the, at the outset and so they said ask her to put a disclaimer on her tweets you know all all views my own and, mm. and i was happy to do that so that's where they were at the beginning and so when they asked me to put a disclaimer on my tweets i thought that's where we were i thought we were at okay you know these are my personal views um they're reasonable not everyone agrees but i work in a place that um, recognizes that not everyone agrees and then over the course of six months you can see through the emails how they went from that position which is that was the culture of the organization that and that's important even if even if you don't care about this issue you should care about uh, think tanks academia journalists politicians yeah. doing their job um, and they were willing to um, kind of give all of that away because a few people complained um, and because they became scared and became scared of the funders, uh, the donors who give to the organization. Um, that was that was a big thing. It's so sad how that's happening at the moment. Um, okay, we should get on to what happened in the court case then because you lost. Yes. That's mad. Yes. And it, what do they say that your, to your view was not respectable? Uh, not worthy of respect in a democratic society. That's wow. what the first employment tribunal said. And so that means that it was on par with Nazism or fascism. This That's, is Orwellian, well, Kafkaesque, yes, as you said. Uh, or I don't know which one of the ones that we always say, yes. Kafkaesque or Orwellian <laughs> yes, this time, but yeah. it's both of those things, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, and the weird thing was, um, I didn't have any trans colleagues. I was really talking about policy um, and kind of in general terms. But the thing that they, the whole tribunal got hung up on was whether I misgendered somebody. And misgendering, I, I mean, even that's not really defined, but it, yeah. at its core means calling someone he when they want to be called she or they or Z or Faye or something. Yeah. But actually it expands to all words about sex because it doesn't really make sense to say someone is she but they're a man or they're male and so you give away the pronoun you're also giving away um 
man, male, mother, father, uh, son, daughter, you know, all of those go with it. But but at the core, it was pronouns. And I, um, I didn't have any trans colleagues. And when they first emailed me, I was... Um, kind of early in my journey so i emailed back and said of course i'd be willing to um uh respect anyone's i'm not sure I, I don't think i said pronouns but anyone's identity in the workplace um and i would but where it comes to a situation where you have to be clear about what sex somebody is either because you're talking about rules and policy or because it's a practical situation like who's allowed in which toilets you have to be able to say that person's a man um and so so that so that was the position but i hadn't misgendered anyone and the tribunal so when they looked at all of the disclosures there was this weird um there was there was something else going on at the same time which was so when i first decided i wanted to talk about this issue i pushed at all the doors that were in front of me in my life. So one of them was I tweeted about it. One of them was I wrote about it in relation to international development, the sector I was working in. And one of them was um, I wrote to the Scouts because I was a Scout leader, Cub, right. Sc Cub Scout leader. And um, the Cub Scouts had a terrible policy, as all organisations do at this point, um, of saying if a child says they're the opposite sex, you treat them as the opposite sex and you might not tell their parents that you're doing oh. that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I had been in a back and forth correspondence with scouts about this and um, I had tweeted, I know I, I uh, posted about it on a big scouts Facebook group and a bunch of scout leaders from around the country had jumped on me, this kind of... Um, rainbow caucus of of scout leaders saying that i was transphobic for saying you should be concerned about child safeguarding and this discussion spilled out onto twitter with a scout leader in dundee i mean as i say this is a bit of a side a side story but it does come back a scout leader in dundee who is non-binary who looks like you literally huh. um but wants to be called they them and i had misgendered this person by say i'd said he said this oh you know what i'm because the she he thing okay you know but uh, if you misgender someone who represents as they them i'm not having it <laughs> i'm not having it i'm not even entering that discussion because there's she if someone's okay she okay let's do that the they them and it's just a bloke like and i really and i've said this before like the non-binary thing this idea of i i'm not one of them like the arrogance the entitlement like i'm not even a gender or sex because i've got like as and it makes it look like the rest of us are just really boring like right. I, i'm a man so i only have man traits and you're yeah. a woman who only has woman traits like fuck that sorry it annoys me yes continue. no ab absolutely um and so the only example of misgendering they could find in the whole <laughs> um all of my disclosures was that um i had called this man he on twitter who i've never met with nothing to do with my workplace and then he um had complained to scouts about it and said i'd misgendered and scouts ended up investigating me for two years over this um and in the end they apologized to me for it but oh, I, wow. I i left scouts because you know it was they'd made it miserable for me yeah um and so yeah there was this this misgendering of a man by calling him he uh went into the went into the um bundle and the judge got really hung up on that the idea that you should never um call someone by the oh. wrong pronouns and the reason we think 
the judge got so hung up on that is probably because he was trained because the judges have been trained by an organization called gendered intelligence which tells them this and they also have this thing called the equal treatment bench book which is guidance for judges on inclusion and some of the stuff it's like you know it started off very small and it's become quite thick over the years and some of it is really useful stuff about what to do if you've got a deaf claimant or a claimant who doesn't speak english or a woman who mm. is wearing a burqa or you know all of the different um kinds of people that you might meet in a courtroom how do you make sure that justice is done fairly by them um and it has a whole chapter on trans which at the time said don't misgender um, and so I think the judge, he wasn't looking at the law. He was looking at his training. He was looking at the equal treatment bench book. Mm -hmm. And he th and he thought I was a bigot for um, not being kind, not being willing to say that a man is a woman. And, or they. Or they. And I think, you know, I, I think they does... Um, show you how ridiculous it is but you know if i had to call you they or if i had to call you she you're still a man there's mm. nothing there's nothing you can do to turn yourself into a woman yeah i but do you see what i mean that they is even more preposterous and and not because a lot of people use the argument um oh because of the language and i don't agree with that like because it's, i don't think it is that hard the language but i i, I think we do use they for uh, uh, someone we don't know their sex or gender all the time uh they're a good person we don't you know mm. we, i don't think that's yeah. a problem at all the problem is it's ridiculous that, that somebody thinks that they're above having a gender or, or sex. Like, what, who the hell do you think you are? I mean, I, I think even the whole thing of like putting in your email signature or your bio that you're a he him. I mm. mean, I can tell you're a he him. <laughs> um, and I can yeah. tell, you know, when I'm walking down the street late at night and there's a man walking behind me, I can tell he's a he him. I don't have to ask his pronouns. Yeah. The, you know, the, the idea that people can't tell is itself insidious even if you're just telling me you're a he him i know you're a he him or well, is pledging allegiance to <laughs> it, an ideology it's that as well it's two plus two yeah. equals five right so it's all wells you know and I, I went back to look at that that bit from 1984 uh, um and it, it, they have to tell the main character over and over, no, two plus two equals five until he eventually believes it. And that means you're a card carrying member of the ideological party. That's why I think that's why I focus so much on the trans issues, because some people are wondering, you know, why is this something that you're, you're and there's quite a few different topics I like to cover. But this to me is the uh, absolute like archetypal example, the prime example of of just like two plus two equals five of can we get you the population? to say something that everyone knows is clearly false. And if we can get you to say that, then we can get you to do anything. I, yeah. think, I think it leads to, you know, the presidents of Harvard the other day and uh, MIT and uh, just saying that it's okay to call for the genocide of Jews. I honestly think they're linked. Because I think once you're in that party, you can you can think those who, was it those who commit, those who can, uh, those who, do you know this thing? Yes, can make you commit atrocities. Yeah, what was the first the bit? Make you believe. Ah, uh, <laughs> those who make you bloody believe. Oh, I've got to find this. Uh, those who can make you be absurdities. Uh, yes, that's it. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And I think that's the first step is if you can do the two plus two equals five of trans women are women, the UN trans lesbians are lesbians. Yeah. And, and, and what that then does to institutions, you know, it means that you get rid of whether like, like me, you fire them or you just make their life hell or, or they just leave people who will speak up about difficult things and you keep the people who you know are yes men and that you know that doesn't make 
good healthy organizations that seek after truth on oh, all no. on all kinds of things but sex like you say it's such a universal thing it's you know it's hardwired it's um you know it predates human beings it predates mammals it's you know it's it's so um important to, to the fabric of life that if you can if you can make people lie about that you can make them lie about anything yeah absolutely and that's why yeah that's why it is an ideological sort of on the, at the bottom of the emails how did you feel then i mean were you shocked that you lost that uh, yeah uh i mean yes and no there was there was a point um in the tribunal where um i think my lawyers knew i lost they you know they they can read the they can wow. read the judge that you know there was a point at which um the the judge started cross-examining me the judge started asking me questions which is not a good thing and the judge w was asked asking me um about well it was interesting asking me about school so ask me about well what about um a trans teacher because i had said uh i would call someone by their preferred pronouns mm. but i would want to be clear what sex they were in a situation where sex matters and i didn't work in a school but that was the that was the role road that the judge went down and he started asking me well, well what about a trans teacher and so i said well if a teacher transitions that doesn't mean you should lie to the children about what sex they are i said you should find a form of words that is respectful to that teacher but says to the pupils you mm. know um mr so-and-so now wants to be called miss so-and-so he's still a man um don't you know be respectful like yeah. i mean it's not it's not for me to work out what those words are and those words have to be age appropriate to to the age of the child and um it was that 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 was the road that he went down and it was at that point you could kind of see in his eyes that he decided um i was a bigot because because what i was saying was children's rights protecting children um respecting you know the ability to to talk about the truth where you're safeguarding children matters more than protecting the feelings of a teacher who wants to transition and that did not compute for him and i you, you could sort of see the change then so but you know I, I mean i didn't walk out of the court thinking i'd lost because because you don't um so it really yeah the day the judgment came i was just gutted and 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 you know i'd raised hundreds of thousands of pounds to pay for it people had backed me um and and because it was a test case it meant that it was open season for other people who had the same belief oh, yeah. as as me that you know it was saying you can fire these people you can discriminate against them you can harass them with impunity it's absolutely mad and you must have been gutted then and did you want to just go on twitter and just be like come you know and get everyone riled um, up i i it, it's the one day i can't remember very well wow. um yeah well it's an emotional day yeah. this was judge james taylor yes well it's, i you know it's just, 
I want to say he's a bigot, but you know, I, I get. I don't think he's a bigot any more than you are. But if he's going to sort of suggest that you are, then okay. Well, why isn't your view bigoted? I, I, I mean, his view was wrong. His view was wrong mm. in law, and it was turned over. Um, I met him. Uh, well, I, I've seen him twice. I saw him in the street <laughs> outside of um, one of the courts in central London, and we both went um, like yeah. that. And then I, and then I saw him at a lawyer's party and I, um, shook his hand and I said, we were thinking about who to cast to play him in the film, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't being made yet, but yeah. in my mind. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. Well, how difficult, how long does it take to get the appeal? The appeal. Um, it was another, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was like 18 months. Um, okay. yeah. So then, then you have to put in the appeal. They have to agree that you, um, have grounds for appeal and then you wait for a date um so that and that it was just appealing that question about whether the belief is um uh protected in law so i won that um in 2021 mm -hmm. uh june 2021 and then i had to go back to employment tribunal again to for my case so that that i personally was discriminated against by my employers right. so at that point they said okay we we recognize that the belief is protected but what you said was so um uh, unreasonable, unreasonable, and egregious, and harmful. That it was still legitimate for us to treat you in the way you we did, because that a belief is protected doesn't mean you can say whatever you like. You know, if you're a Christian, your belief is protected, but you're not allowed to go into the workplace and tell your um, uh, colleagues mm. that they're going to hell. Sure, um, yeah. but you are allowed to to say that you're a Christian. You're allowed to state your beliefs where it's where it would be reasonable to. Mm. And there have been lots of cases about this. You know about wearing crosses and so on um and so yeah so my employer was saying even though you have this this belief that's protected we think you were so egregious that we were right to do what we did so then we went back we had to go through all of that i won that um and then a uh, fourth time had to go back to say whether they would give me any money Mm. You were awarded 91500 for loss of earnings and 14900 in interest? Yes. Do you have to pay tax on that? Uh, hopefully not. I've got, to, <laughs> I've got to do my tax return. Um, I mean, and like legally, hopefully not. Um, yeah. I've got to get my tax return in this week. Okay. You should, we should probably speak to an accountant and find <laughs> <Yes>. out. <laughs> no, I mean, it's in the judgment. There's a whole question about what is and what isn't taxable and, and oh. the, they don't think this is taxable. Okay. Interesting. Do you know who ContraPoints is? Yes. Um, YouTuber for anyone who doesn't know and probably maybe the most uh, famous um, YouTuber who is a trans person uh, I guess a, a man who identifies as a woman um, and he or she did a, a whole thing on you and JK Rowling and uh, collected tweets of yours that were transphobic and she's like reading this out and I'm saying she just for I don't even know. You can say what you like. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. But she said, yes, I think that uh, it was your tweet. Yes, I think that male people are not women. I don't think being a woman slash female is a matter of identity or womanly feelings. It is biology. People of either sex should be not be constrained or discriminated against if they don't conform to traditional gender experience. And they even got um, an English narrator to read it out, which I thought was quite a nice touch. Did you hear that? They had like an English yes, voice. Yes. But I just like that's transphobic now. Yeah. And this and is someone who's six million subscribers yeah yeah and, and the, the the tweets so those tweets mm. what happened was um i 
uh, I tweeted a question. So right at the beginning when I started tweeting, I just tweeted um, kind of news stories and, you know, things that were going on and nobody responded to me. And I had about 2000 followers at that point. And they were all, you know, policy wonks. They like an argument uh, and nobody was responding to me either to say, you're a bigot, you're terrible, or I agree with you. It was very, it, mm. it was strange. And so then um, there was this one day when um, a guy called Philip Bunce, who works at Credit Suisse, uh, was put on a list of 100 women in business, women leaders in business. Philip. Philip, okay. uh, who sometimes, like several days a week, comes to work in a dress and a wig and makeup and calls himself Pips. Uh, and so he's she on those days and he on the days when he's Philip um, and was put on this list of women in business. And so I thought that was obscene yes and i asked question do you think this person should have been recognized as a woman for this purpose and that question got people talking to me so there was there was sort of about a week of several hundred tweets you know when you get into like multi-threaded conversations with lots and lots of people of serious people people that i worked with or people that were in that kind of world some of them agreeing some of them not agreeing some of them i mean i was quite surprised that like hard-nosed economists saying well if if she thinks that some part of her is female then we should respect that this is a cross-dresser this is a transvestite mm. um you know we know that this is a lifestyle and everyone has human rights but you know five five minutes ago we knew what this was and now we're saying a transvestite is a woman on the days when he wears a wig which is sexist if nothing Taking the else place of a woman yeah on, and, and, on and just saying that you know being a woman is about makeup and hair i mean it, it's just sexist regressive nonsense anyway but i think my actual crime was i started a conversation and there were people making um points in either direction and agreeing and disagreeing which is all that i wanted and so those were the tweets that were that's what contrapoints was reading and mm. those were the tweets that were um investigated my by my employer and then kind of picked over one by one in the court I so see. it wasn't it wasn't a sort of manifesto it was responses to other people saying well what about sure. this and what about that it, it, well, it, i think that's even better because these are just responses rather than necessarily a, a thought out manifesto mm. and they're still very reasonable yeah and the, the point you make as well I, i'm glad you address that about uh, how offensive it is to women this idea that putting makeup on and long hair that now means i'm a woman um because there are always there, there will be a, a, a number of comments below this video uh where people say oh come on you know they they, they are they clearly are a woman now and, and I, I sometimes i don't really reply often anymore but i go why what is it uh, and I said, please don't say makeup and long hair that makes a man a woman because that's so offensive. My future daughter, you know, doesn't have to have long hair or nails. And the, and if the suggestion that if she doesn't do that, she's any less feminine or less womanly. I can't think of a more insulting, bigoted view than that. Mm. So then they go, no, there are just other things. And you go, what? Yeah. And no one's ever answered. Someone tried to say the way that women walk and present their buttocks. <laughs> Like that was a genuine, you know, progressive it, person trying to say that. But also, that's quite hard to change. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> thing that you, the thing that you can change yeah. by taking medication, uh, hormones, is you know, men can grow boobs. And I think that, I mean, that is basically what people are thinking when they, you know, if if a man has gone to the effort of growing tits, mm. then he's a woman. Growing tits and taking off their 
willy well most don't take off their willy i mean mm. so um this week um munro bergdorf a model uh, trans woman model um was appointed by un women uk as their uh, champion for women and that um we complained and uh people said you know people said but but munro is a woman Mun you know munro has better makeup than me and you know great boobs but also well at, at least as far as i know until a couple of years ago and i think it's probably still true also has penis and balls mm. uh he posed for a um arty naked shot showing this um and most you know most men are attached to their to mm. their genitals um, yep. understandably sure. so you know for most people it isn't it's it's facial surgery it's makeup it's it's getting boobs um a lot of people think well you know if someone was to to have the surgery then that makes them a woman one i don't think it does but two you can't have any rights that depend on saying that someone must um have their genitals operated on because that's that's sterilization it's forced sterilization um they they used to give gender recognition certificates out in the netherlands and sweden i think on that basis and they had to give compensation to people because wow. it, you know because it's a human rights abuse to say we're going to give you these rights if you have your balls chopped off yeah you can't do that <laughs> yeah wow that's a really interesting thought I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective that's really interesting um well, ContraPoints continued uh, and, and read out that J.K. JK Rowling very famous tweet, uh, dress however you please. And, and this is, I think it's important because I, I think a lot of people watching, although people in maybe our ideological group or whatever it might be in our, in our camp know this tweet very well now, a lot of people don't. They, they just assume J.K. Rowling must be a bigger, I, I don't know what it is she said. This is what she said. Dress however you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who will have you, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real. I stand with Maya, which must have been nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> but like where is the bigotry there yeah and i mean you know she's a good writer uh she's a really really good writer that i i write these long uh <laughs> articles about policy and law and often i look at them and go yeah just jk Rowling's tweet she had it all she had it all in that one tweet yeah she's good it, you know it, everyone has human rights dress how you please you have freedom of expression sleep with whoever will have you other people's consent matters but you know you there are all kinds of different uh sexual orientations and and expressions of that and don't try and drive people out of their jobs i, I mean she really she really got it all into one tweet mm, she's someone who got it from both sides now because when harry potter was first released she got it from the religious right i suppose and now what i would call the religious left yeah i mean i think quite often people who've been cancelled for one thing are braver the that you know they know what to expect uh and so before you know before i um tweeted about this and got cancelled about this i was quite fighty about tax which was the topic i worked on and i uh, i sort of got my job by pointing out some bullshit that the organization i ended up being employed for employed by um had published and picking it apart and mm. you know so it was a, a much smaller um but actually equally toxic pool that i was um comment commenting in and you know quite often you find people who i mean religious people 
they have a hill that they're they're willing to die on and they've they've experienced that before but people who've um defended an unpopular position in some other sphere seem to be more willing to um speak up about this one mm, it does it does seem to be the case um what do you think i mean we sort of talked about this bit at the beginning but what 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 is contrapoints finding transphobic in in jk rowling's tweets and your tweets ultimately it's about women saying no uh that that's what transphobic means and and it as politely as you can say it you're still saying no and so transphobia is used as a um a weapon against women being able to say no and against institutions being able to say mm. we have clear rules uh, and no means no it's as simple as that um are there any facts or arguments that can convince you that men, for all intents and purposes, can be women, uh, intersex, clownfish? Those are the ones that are brought up usually. <laughs> uh, you know, he humans are not clownfish, uh, as Helen said. Um, sex, I mean, everyone has a mother and a father, whether, you know, whether those are the people that brought you up or not. Everyone biologically has a mother or a father. Everyone's mother is female. Mm -hmm. Everyone's father is male. And that goes back, you know, to the whole history of humankind. It, you can't get away from that. And then being a mother or not being a mother, being uh, vulnerable to getting pregnant shapes women's lives. It's not something you can put in a box and say, oh, th this is this is a nine month thing. This is a lifetime thing. It's a lifetime of a child's thing. And it's what shapes evolution and evolution. You know, that's how I understand the world. So I can't, there's no, there's no getting away from that. Yeah. Where can people, I've got another question for you afterwards, but where can people follow you and, and support you? Um, so my organization is Sex Matters, um, sex-matters.org. Uh, it's on Twitter. It's on, um, on the, on, uh, the internet. And website website uh, that's the word i was looking for um instagram uh, all of those kind of places um i'm on twitter as m Forstatter. they can follow me uh they they can support sex matters and um, we send out a memo every friday with all the news on sex and gender from the uk mainly from the uk and when we started this we thought is there gonna be enough to say every week and there has uh, there's never not been something going on it's it's mm. been quite amazing and the tide is turning in terms of now we can speak about it since my case people are speaking about it and they're starting to look at the conflicts of rights and and try to work those out who is a heretic you admire uh not helen joyce am i not allowed to say helen. of course you can I, well, of course because she said you of course yes, and that was very embarrassing for you <laughs> and uh no you can you can say whatever you want well i'm going to say two people i'm going to say um helen partly because she said me um but also because it's just brilliant having a partner in crime on this um and i couldn't hope for a better one mm. uh you know she's just so um articulate and clear about these issues um, and then the other person I want to say is Julie Bindle, who's just been doing this longer than almost anyone else. Um, long before I had woken up to this issue, uh, she's been cancelled and cancelled and cancelled by every side, uh, and and she's still and she's still speaking up. Amazing. Thank you, Maya Forstadter, and thank you everyone for listening. I'm trying so hard not to cough. Ah, I can't. I can't bear 
winter. I always get these like really long coughs. It's terrible. But hey, I'm getting through it. You're getting through it. We've all got things to do and we've all got horrible dark winters to contend with unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere and then you're probably fine. Anyway, uh, maybe it's too hot actually. Um, do um, share this and get the extra bits on locals, andrewgold.locals.com. You can also get that on Apple subscribers and Patreon. I'll see you next time.